Walter and Shirley, thank you so much for taking the time to come share a little bit of your story of what God has done in your life. As I've shared earlier in this service, this hour is going to be shared not only through our church family here in Los Angeles, but around the world during the season of Thanksgiving. But we have many guests who join us on a Sunday for the first time. And today we get to go back in time to a very significant event that happened in your life. It was October of 2005. And why don't we pick up what happened? What was the inciting incident? Yes, it was actually, I still remember it was Halloween. And um, what had happened is that Walter was working on a deal with his dad to buy his um, one of the um, companies from his dad. And he's been negotiating for two years with his dad. Yeah, leverage buyout. Yeah, and it was, it was, you know, negotiating with your dad is not easy. So especially my dad, he's a tough guy. <laughs> so so um, it was Halloween, and he was going to sign the deal on November first. But October, on Halloween, he told me, "Hey, I have I have a lump on my on my throat." I said, "Okay, let's let's go take a look at it after you sign and everything. All this thing is done." And so November third, we he went to go get a biopsy of, of whatever was on his um, throat. And November tenth is when we found out it was third or fourth stage cancer. Wow. And at that time, it's kind of like a big deal because, I mean, you just signed a deal that he had to be, um, we were like, it's, it's public news. It was like $330 million leverage buyout. So we were in that, in that much debt. So this isn't a small family <laughs> business. This is a big, very public, big staff. So after all that work, you, you signed the deal and now this news hits. Yes. And at that time, it was like, oh my gosh, we were saying we have 1,500 employees that rely on this company for their livelihood, and yet he's hit with third or fourth stage cancer. And at the time, he was only 40 years old, I remember. And then um, when we heard about it, um, he wanted to go tell our son that, um, that he had cancer. I was like, really? And so we went to go pick up our, our, our kid. He was only, what, 11 or 10 years old? He was 10 years old. And we went, went to pick him up, and... And then he said he went to go tell him that, hey, dad has third or fourth stage cancer. And at that time, I thought he was like pretty mature. He went to, so what stage is it? And then, and then we like <laughs> say third or fourth stage. And then it's like, then I think he went back to being a 10 year old. He went to say, is it contagious? Because I think. Um, he doesn't want to get it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Walter cry in my life at that time. I mean, I think I was married to him for 10 or 12 years or something like that. But then um, he, that night he climbed into uh, his daughter's room, Chantel's, um, our daughter's room. And you know how fathers and daughters have a very close relationship. But he climbed into her bed and then I felt was quite touching and quite... She was really sleeping. Like, quite sad in some ways. He said, Chantel, I'm so sorry. I may not be able to walk you down the aisle. Mm. So it was, it, was, it was a tough, tough night. And how, if you can go back in time to that that season, that moment, you said this first time you'd ever seen your husband cry. What was going through your mind at that moment? Well, there's too many things going through my mind. I mean, I was, I mean, as a, as a very little kid, uh, my mom brought me to church, and uh, so I'm already a Christian. Uh, but somehow at that time, when I found I had four-stage cancer, I sort of blamed God. I said, mm. why me? And I have three kids, lovely family, and and they're so young, and obviously, kids need their dad's time too to spend with them. Because to to children, I think parents' time is the most important. And it's it's like my it's, I'm facing the end of my life. Whether this cancer is 
Will I be healed with this cancer? Will I be cured? I don't know. It's a big, huge question mark. So there's an there's a, a anger also in my heart. Why, this, why God did you allow this to happen to me? Especially with the kids. And then um, I just acquired this company. I have 1,500 families to take care of. Why? It was, it was also anger. Why, why, why this? Why now? A lot of question marks. And was anger an emotion that popped up for you? Or how did you begin to process that news? Well, as I said, I, I felt like, was I a negligent wife? What happened? How did it get to this mm. point, you know? I mean, <laughs> um, and so, so I, I was wondering, well, how, how did this happen at that, at that point? But, you know, I later on um, did actually, when we went to go see the doctors, right, they, they said, um, what, what kind of antibiotics has he been taking so that we can see what he's immune to? And I actually called up CVS. I said, what, what is he taking? And I actually felt a little bit better because he was actually misdiagnosed four times and for eight, within eight months because I did take him to the doctor. First time, um, they said it was a cold, gave him a round of antibiotics. Second time, they said it was sinusitis, right? A different ENT doctor. And they said it was another round of antibiotics. And the third time, get this, I said, they said that it was mono. And I was like, who's he been kissing? <laughs> so this was all prior to October 31st, 2005. Yes. All yes. these things happened. Yes. So something was building. It was cancer that was building. Yeah. So, misdiagnosed. And now yes. here you are. So basically, I was, I was misdiagnosed. Uh, four times. You know, four times. It was a delayed treatment for eight months. So the cancer cell actually spread to the skull base. So they categorized that as four stage. So... Yeah. Right, and wow. then they basically said that if it, at four, th third or fourth stage that he had, he, if untreated, because I was asking, what does that mean, N3, N4? And they said, if untreated, he only had one year to live. So here you are, brand new company, haven't been married more than 12 years, 12 12 years, years. young kids, mm -hmm. understandably reacting in a way that is, what happened? How could this happen? God, why would you allow this to happen? Yeah. And then walk us through, what was the next weeks and months? How did that play out? So then, so that night was very distraught, right? But then um, we prayed that night because we're, at that point in life, what can you do? What can you do? And, and so we prayed that night. And then I guess somehow the next morning, a peace came over us. And, and I just felt like God was telling, you know what, whatever happens to you, God walks, wants you to walk through it. He mm. gave you this, nothing more than you can handle. So, so he wanted to, us to walk through it, whatever the case may be. And was it just a, a prompting from, you know, in your heart, in your mind? Were you reading scripture? You know, a lot of people wonder, you know, how do I hear from God? And here you've, you wake up the next day and a peace comes over you. Yeah, I think, I think thinking back uh, right now, you know, it's that you feel like it's, something, a good seed has been planted mm. in me. Uh, for my mother, my father, bringing me and my, my siblings to church, it's like the seed. It's just that seed hasn't really blossomed yet, but there's a seed. That's why Shirley said earlier, we have no choice. We, we have to ask God, God intervene, God heal. Mm. Let us, let's walk through this journey. I mean, it's gonna be a very difficult walk, but uh, lead us through it. I think somehow there's that, that peace inside, knowing that there is you know, a divine, a wonderful Abba Father that, that I can, we can rely on. So, so I think that's what Shirley's saying. There's that, instead of that 
fear or what's going to happen next. You just have that inner peace. Because some people don't get the peace until there's healing or until they get the answer to prayers. But it sounds like you chose to just trust God and to follow God. And that's when the peace came. Yes. Yeah, but to be honest, you know, we, again, I say we didn't have a choice, mm. right? Either, mm. either, either, you know, we had to find some really good doctors at a very good hospital to get treatment. And there's God, right? So might as well have both. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But, you know, from my research, um, with all my research is that, you know, the cancer that he has, which is nasopharyngeal carcinoma, it's a, quite a rare disease um, at the time in the United States. There was like 500 cases all around the United States. It's more of a, like an Asian man's um, disease. disease or mm. cancer. So Saturday, we left to Hong Kong. But the thing is, in Hong Kong, um, the best hospital is the, um, the at biggest... At that time. At the, the biggest hospital would be the public hospital, which is Queen's Mary. Queen Mary. Queen Mary. Queen Mary. But the thing with Queen Mary is that there would be a six-week queue before you could get to their, their machines of radiation and things like that. Not that the lines in Los Angeles were long, so <laughs> six weeks. Six weeks, and I'm like saying, whoa, we flew all the way here. But anyway, so we went to go see the ENT doctor at Queen Mary, and then, we, and then he looked at him and stuff like that, and then he said, oh, so when are you going to see your oncologist? And I said, oh, we don't have an appointment until Thursday or a few days later. And he goes, oh, let me just call. And let's see if he's here and he can take, take a look. Because his office is right down the stairs. Yeah. And so he, he called him up and he was actually there. And then he looked at Walter's MRI and PET scan and things like that. And all of a sudden, it was 10.30 in the morning. He goes, check into at 1.30. Mm. And I'm like, whoa, that was fast. But I guess it was bad enough still. <laughs> he, um, he wanted us to check in. But you know what he started? He started a 196-hour chemotherapy um, regimen. So in 96 hours of it was straight. Like you check into the hospital and you go 96 hours. I mean, yeah, at that time I didn't know. I mean, I obviously we went to have lunch and then check out our hotel and checking into the hospital. And so um, immediately we, they, they scheduled a room for us. And, and, and not long later, it was three or four nurses came in. I think it was two doctors that came in. They came in with the IV, like an IV bag. But this IV bag it was black. Right, it's black. And I said, what is this? So they, I thought it was IV. I really thought it was IV. They, there's long needles. They stick it into my vein. And then from that point on, it was four days straight of chemotherapy. It was one bag after the other. One bag's finished, they change it. One bag's finished, they change it. So um, while he's having this chemotherapy, um, we only had two friends in Hong Kong. And we didn't have much friends. One was my college friend and then his college friend. And then, um, so I called up his college friend, Vincent. Before said, we went to Hong Kong. Yeah, and I said, hey, Vincent, we're coming to Hong Kong to get treated and things like that. And he says, yes, we'll, we'll, pray, we'll pray for you and things like that. So and, this was, Vincent was a believer as well. Yes. And I, and I, and I, I think he was relatively a new believer. Yes. Maybe two years. And I okay. told him, you know, you have to be like the husband. My husband's like the wife. So every time you get off work, you have to come to the hospital and cheer him up, you know, because he's a funny guy. Anyways, he says, sure, 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 I'll do that. And then when we arrived, then he was about to have lunch with another friend of ours um, who flew in from Malaysia, who was transferring to Hong Kong. And they both had lunch, and they both said, oh, Walter's here for treatment. We'll, let's, we'll pray for Walter and Shirley and the family and things like that. And as soon as they finished their lunch, they go out in Hong Kong um, and going to, about to go into separate taxis. But there's a European lady who looks really distraught and frazzled in, in, as they're walking out. And then Vincent goes up to her and says, 
How can I help you? What's wrong? And she goes, I'm so lost. And she goes, okay, give me their address, and I will tell you where to go. And he does all this. But she still is frazzled and everything. And then so Vincent goes up to her, um, why, what's wrong? Why are you still so upset? He goes, I'm so late. I don't know if they'll still be there. He goes, don't worry. Give me their phone number, and I will call them and then tell them to wait for you. He did this. While well, Richard he, was beside him yes, watching it. Yes, mm-hmm. And then as soon as they get into separate taxis, then all of a sudden, Vincent's phone rings. And it's from Richard. And then Richard says to Vincent, I want to have what you have. Mm. And Vincent says, what could I possibly have that you want? Because Richard has a very charmed life. You know, he trades his own stocks and and then um, his, but he's very type A. I mean, his father was, I think, the vice chairman of the Malaysian Stock Exchange. His mother was the first female stock broker in Malaysia. But the thing is, is that he had places to go, people to see, and no time for you. Mm This was Richard. This is Richard. Richard says to Vincent, you've got something I want. Okay. And then he says, I want to have that kind of compassion that you have. Wow. That you would actually stop in the middle of the street, not only tell them how to go, but also make a phone call to tell them how to go. I mean... A complete stranger. And sometimes it's the littlest things that people notice. You know, Jesus said, uh, they will see your good deeds. Yes, yes. So let your light shine. They will see your good deeds and praise. So Vincent was actually... You know, proactive in, in staying, went to her and then, can I help you? Yeah, yeah, love that. <laughs> so, 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 Vincent says, okay, I, I get that. So he goes, well, if you pray about it, you will mm. receive. Mm. So, so Rich- the source of his compassion, he acknowledged, is coming from God. Yes. Yeah. So he said, okay, so he's go back and pray about it. So Richard goes back to the Shangri La Hotel and starts praying. Hey, praise, praise, praise for us, praise for, you know, I guess for our healing and things like that. And then, pray for receiving compassion, right? right? And pray for receiving compassion. And then all of a sudden he hears, he feels like he hears God. He feels, this is Richard. This is Richard, Richard. Yeah. yeah. He feels like he, he, he heard a voice inside of him. Mm. And I think he, he thinks it is believed is God, right? That's right, what he, he said. And then he That's says, he and God told him, Richard, I, I want you to not just pray for Walter and Shirley. I want you to be with Walter and Shirley. You need to be next to them and teach them how to pray. Wow. And, and then, like a normal person, he goes, wrong time. I got a flight tomorrow. I got places to go, people to see. I got a flight to Vancouver. I have, I, my plan is... He's going to Whistler for ski for a month. He <laughs> says, this is the wrong time. Next time, next time. Mm-hmm. And then so he starts, but he still continues to pray. And he prays. And then all of a sudden, he... Um, he claims you hear the same voice. Yes, he feels, hears, feels like he hears God again. And then, and then God tells him, Richard, won't you do this for me? Wow. And, and then where, you know, where he says, well, if, if I think you're God and I don't want to go out and get hit by lightning or hit by a bus, maybe I should stay. <laughs> so, so um, you know, there's people who follow Jesus for decades who don't stop their schedule and follow God's leading. And here, Richard is just coming to faith. He just starts praying. And in this new believer is saying, okay, Lord, if that's you, I'm going to say yes. So, so, that was, so that was where it was quite amazing in the sense that he said yes. Not only did he do that, but he, he doesn't live in Hong Kong. He stayed in Hong Kong for... Living in, live in a hotel. Right, in a hotel. And sometimes he stayed with us, but um, he would stay with us, stay in Hong Kong for four... And a half months. Four and a half months. And this is 
This is the Richard. same Richard that was about to go skiing, about to head yeah. out, yeah. places yeah. to go, people to see. Yeah. He has and never done this before. Wow. So he was basically praying for compassion. He's basically, Richard was obedient. But he you even take the domino back, had Vincent not been compassionate to that, that woman on the street, Richard wouldn't have stopped and said, I want something that you have. These little yeah. things, the, yeah. the smallest things that we can forget. It it's connected. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and then what happened is that what was so amazing was that, you know, after we finished 96 hours of chemotherapy, you know, we had to go back to, I rented an apartment, and then he would actually sit next to uh, Walter's bed because Walter was so devastated. I mean, he's just lying there. He goes, Walter, you know what? I know it's tough for you. You know what? You just breathe. You just lie there and breathe in. I will pray for you. And so he sat next to Walter's bed, bed three to four hours a day, you know, praying for Walter. Yeah, because when, when I was getting treated, getting chemo at the hospital, you know, um, Richard would come every morning. He would arrive every morning about 9 a.m. or so and want to pray for us and with us. But uh, he couldn't really because we were very blessed that... Uh, People flew in from all over the world to see me and see Shirley. So we have a lot of people lining up to see, to see us. So Richard couldn't really have private time with us, you know, private praying time with us. So he would accompany us. He would be in the hospital room from like 9 a.m. to everybody leaves at 5 or 6. And then we didn't have time. I was tired. I want to go to sleep and things like that. So, uh, yes. And then so after four days straight of chemotherapy, we check out hospital room. Shirley and my, my sister Shirley rented an apartment nearby. We went back. I was devastated. I, I could barely get up. And, and they were so nice enough to hire a chef to cook food. I said, don't turn on the, the, the stove because if I smell any food, I would be, I would be really sick. I cannot. I cannot. Um, so I was just lying there. And like Shirley said, Richard would say, it's okay, Walter. You lie there and I'll just pray for you. You just, you just listen to our prayers, feel the presence of the Lord. You just, just lie there. And I was, I was really devastated and I couldn't move. I felt like I'm maybe half gone, maybe half, half dead or something like that. But uh, Richard just sat there beside me for three or four hours praying at a time. And actually Richard wanted to lead, lead me to pray in tongue. You know, I've been a Christian all my life, but I read about that in the Bible. But uh, uh, praying time, okay, whatever works now, okay, Richard, go ahead, pray. At this point, many months have gone by, you're thinking, I got to get out of this uh, state. And how <laughs> remarkable that God uses the very person that wanted compassion, who saw it in somebody else. He was multiple hours a day, the instrument through which God extended compassion to you. Yes, and so I, I, I really felt with one of that example is that when something happens to you, God not only changes you, but he changes the people around you. Wow. So I, I really felt like, you know, um, it changed us, right? And then it changed him. But another thing is like, so back to the thing about um, praying in tongues, right? So he, he wanted to say, you know, Shirley, you, you guys, I want to I wanna teach you guys how to pray in tongues. And praying in tongues is like praying in the spirit, what, and praying what God wants you to pray for us. I mean, after you have um, prayed for your third aunt and your dog and whatever, you know, you're done with your words, you know, whatever you can think about. But there's some things that maybe God wants you to be praying about. And so, okay, okay. You know, when we're, on, you know, going through almost death, you know, you're just like, okay, we'll try, we'll try, we'll try. So after, after that. Um, after a couple of weeks, nothing. 
Yeah. My mouth just wouldn't open to play. So I, we tried. It, 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 it's basically, it, it didn't make sense. You know, even to a Christian, it didn't make sense. You know, it's, it's basically praying tongue. It's, it's to, to people who hear it, right? It's a bunch of gibberish. Sure. And, you know, the book of it's Romans a, says that it's the spirit that can intercede for us yes. with groans that words can't fathom. Yes. And so you can't manufacture that unless it's the spirit no. speaking Cannot. through right. you. It, it, I mean, for two weeks, over two weeks, my mouth went open. So, it just, just didn't make any sense. So, and then so, Richard said? No, so I, I went up to Richard and said, Richard, Denmark. you know, we tried, but, but it's not happening. It's not happening. So, so, so Richard says, well, you know, there's something really critical to healing. I go, why didn't you tell that a little bit earlier? I mean, that's kind of like what we're looking for, you know? And he says, well, okay, what's, what's critical to healing? And he goes, forgiveness. Mm. Because, you know, how God has forgave you of your sins, Jesus forgave you of your sins, you need to forgive others of their sins. And it's not like um, you, you, you feel like you've got to pay that debt down. It's not like you feel like they owe you apology, they owe you money, they owe you, you know, something, you know, and, and, or, or be nice to you or something like that. But, but the thing is, you know, forgiveness is not what they do. It's actually what you have to do. You have to forgive and you have to pay down that debt and say, they don't owe me anymore. Just like you go to dinner and they say, hey, I treat you to dinner, you, you know, no more. I, you don't owe me anything back. Or, and you can't say, oh, I'll go, I'll forget about it. I don't see them, you know, it's, it's, it's okay, you know. But it's actually, you know, that, that if you don't forgive them, you will go to um, Timbuktu and you'll carry that grudge. You'll because harbor that, that, that uh, unforgiveness. Wherever you go. Yeah, because somebody has to pay the cost. Somebody has to. And you can't forget it because it'll come up later. But what you're saying is when you realize that God forgave you in Christ, there was a debt to be paid and a cost to be paid for our yeah, sin. Yeah. And Christ paid it all. And Christ paid it all. Jesus came to forgive all of our sins, mm -hmm. to cleanse us as white as snow. So basically, Richard said, well, Walter, if you cannot forgive, you're basically walking in the opposite direction. Mm. or why Jesus came. Wow. So you're not going to, basically, you're not going to receive uh, healing. You're not going to receive healing. And he goes, so say, okay, forgive. How do I do that? He goes, Walter, it's very simple. Truly forgive these people in your heart. Write their name down on a piece of paper. In the name of Jesus, read out their names. Forgive them from inside out. And that's it. And tear out the paper and throw it away. And that's it. And was that a, so, so then a what, hard thing to do? So, was, was, well, well, okay. Yeah, let me hear this. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he told um, Richard, um, I don't have a long list, but I have a short list. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the short lists are the hardest ones to forgive, though, right? Uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I told Richard. Basically, it's three people. I couldn't really forgive since, since young. Mm. They have really hurt me since I was very young. And I've been harboring that unforgiveness for, at that time, for, for basically since I know, <laughs> I'm conscious for 30 plus years. So Richard goes, please, Walter, you need to forgive once and for all. Then your healing will come. Okay, so I wrote this three people's name down and I pray and I said, Jesus, you know, name, I forgive. And I tore it apart and threw it away. And how did you feel in that moment? I've, so long before things happened, you know, weeks and months later, but in that moment of the act of forgiveness, do you recall how yes, you Yes, I recall very clearly because after I did that act of forgiving, 
and rip off the paper, I felt a, a, a really strong energy. It felt like injected from my head into my belly. Wow. And I, I started this, this uncontrollable wild laughter. And I was jumping up and down with this uncontrollable wild laughter at the same time. And I was, I was in a room with Shirley and Richard, and they were just, I bet they were just looking at me. And I was rolling in the bed, left and right. I was jumping up and down. It's like, I couldn't control it. And then I did it for straight 10 minutes, and it just stopped, right? Um, after it stopped, I felt really light. I felt light like a feather. I felt there's no burden inside of me. I felt really relieved. Something just relieved that it's like that dark energy has gone away and dissipated. And then after that, I started praying in tongues. Really? Yes. After that, I started praying in tongues. But were you, were you trying to pray in tongues or it just happened? It just happened. Wow. So next time I tried, it just came out. Mm. It was baby tongue, but it can become more and more and more mature. Remarkable. And he never acted like that before, jumping up and down, laughing. Yeah, you know. I, mean, I mean, I think people at work think he's pretty tough. And so to see him like that, you know, who's somebody who's rolling around in the bed and shaking the sheets, it's like, who's that, you know? And, and even, I, I was, Richard was even joking, oh, that looks pretty good. That looks like holy laughter. I, I want that. But, but anyways. We're so like, something supernatural happened that you look back on and say... It was the Spirit of God moving in a powerful way because you yeah. made space for the Spirit to move because of that forgiveness. And yeah. you know, a lot of people have a hard time forgiving, especially if it had been decades yeah, that decades you've been holding. Of, of, and then continue to hurt you along the way. It's not like these people hurting me when I was a kid, but these people are still with me and still hurting me throughout these decades. Mm -hmm. That's just so hard, so difficult. So this was all back in... 2005, early 2006. Here we are today, 2021. They initially gave you at max a year to live with that stage four cancer. Yeah, How are we having this conversation? How did that play <laughs> out? So, 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 so then we're, I'm going to continue my story. Yes, yes. <laughs> so then, um, then um, after, after he um, had the holy laughter and then she started to pray in tongues, I mean, he was actually much, much better. He was actually jogging. At the, at the gym, at, you know? About a mile, a mile at a time. A mile at a time. Yeah. But yeah, still, I was, I was somebody who's after so much chemotherapy. And then, anyways, the next round of chemotherapy, in the next 96 hours. So we're going to go back to the um, hospital. And this time I was ready. I had my pillow. I got my toaster oven, the whole <laughs> bit. And then we're going to be ready for his next 96 hours. So we go back. And then they start to inject him, right? And then it, about three hours in, you know, what's kind of strange is that, you know, he started to say, I'm hungry. And I'm like, usually after with chemo, you're like, you don't want to eat anything. You don't want to smell food. You don't want anything. And then he said, he's hungry. I go, okay, what do you feel like having? And he goes, you know, I've been away from the States for quite some time. A couple of months now. Yeah. And I said, well, what would you like to have? And I said, and he said, I would like to have some pizza. And I was like, okay, okay. So I called up, you know. Um, pizza Express, what's that? That's what they have out there. And then they or we ordered a bunch of different kinds of pizza. And so we had a pizza party. We invited a whole bunch of friends. And we ate pizza in the hospital while he's having chemotherapy. And then even, um, even our friends come, one of our friends says, you know, the guy's going to die. 
why you guys look so happy? You know? <laughs> no, it was it was some friends that we 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 met in Hong Kong. Yes. We made some new friends along the way, and they were all Christians, except this guy. Uh, uh, his wife was very much a devout Christian, but also a new Christian. But he was not yet a Christian, so he basically he told his wife, "You Christians are really funny. You know, you know this guy Walter." He's he's dying, you know. He's dying. Four stage cancer. He's dying. And why are you guys so happy? You can, your Christians are kind of weird. <laughs> but but anyways, so so he, we we he, he was he was he looked great, and he was eating the pizza and everything. And then the doctor comes in and says, "Mr. Wang, what are you doing? How can you?" And he goes, "I'm eating pizza." And he goes, "Wow, you can digest all that cheese. You can. It's better than my stomach. What's the deal with that?" And then anyways. But he comes in later on, and he and Walter's really well. I mean, it's still sa- same set of hair. It's not like he lost all his hair or anything. He was no, I didn't. I didn't lose any hair <laughs> during the chemo. And, and after wa- the chemo. Anyways, the doctors come back in, and they said, you know, it's quite amazing, um, well, uh, Mr. Wang, that you your hair yeah, and, and yeah. you don't have much side effects and stuff Very like that. You're eating side. and everything's well. Um, but the next round of treatment that you're going to have scheduled for you is radiation. Mm. And we guarantee you, you are side effects. You will have side effects. Strong side effects. It's basically, you know, with radiation, you're burning. They shoot lasers to the stuff, <laughs> and you burn from the inside out. You know, and they tie you to a gurney so they don't shoot the wrong places. Um, but we guarantee that you will have um, side effects, which is like you will have cold sores that go mm. from your mouth down to your throat, and it'll be so large that you will not be able to eat or drink because it'll be so painful. It'll be very difficult even to drink water. That's what the doctor said. And so we have to schedule a tube feeding surgery. You know, put a t- tube here so that you could over here. Yeah, so that we could put you know calories into you. So, so drastic it, measures, yeah. So that you will have enough calories to sustain your life. And of course, the vain husband that I have says uh, <laughs> says, "No, um, I'm not going to have that surgery. I don't want a tube stick here or here or wherever. You know, I'm not doing it." Was it? Vanity, or was it belief that you didn't need it? <laughs> no, it was not vanity. Sherry's just like to tease me, but uh, it, was, it was just, I know it's going to be very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That tube sticking out. And I believe that I'll just deal with it. Mm-hmm. When it comes, I just deal with it. I don't want a surgery. I mean, by that time, right, I had enough PET scans, CT scans, shots. <laughs> I was, I was, you know, with, with chemo, it was all the shots and all the needles and everything sticking in. <laughs> it's like, I, I just, I had it. I just I've got I don't black. want it. I just don't want that thing. I just deal with it when it comes. Yeah. That was my, my, my psychology of it. <laughs> and so anyways, so we're, we're back in the room. Richard and I are looking at this and like, we're kind of like depressed and worried because I mean, my goodness, he's going through this radiation. I mean, the radiation that he, he was going to go through is... Um, was scheduled. It was scheduled was for scheduled. 37, 37 minutes for 34 sessions. I mean, usually mm-hmm. when you go through radiation, it's like one or two zaps. You know, few minutes. Few minutes. Five, six but minutes, he had yeah. 37 minutes straight. So they said, it's going to be bad. And so, well, you know, Richard and I were like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then Richard says, Shirley and Walter, you have to have more faith. Maybe God has already healed Walter, you know, and he doesn't need to go through radiation. You have to have more faith, you know. And then I told Richard, shut up. I said, you know, if Walter needs to go through radiation, you know what? Don't decrease his will. That's what you said. (laughs) Don't decrease his will. He's going to go through radiation. So stop talking stuff like that. Now I just start telling my friends, right? 
My wife just like to fry me. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> but did you feel like his uh, statement of just have faith was too, too trite? You know, because so, a lot of people say stuff like that. Just have faith and it'll work out. Yeah, yeah. but the shirty, shirty, shirty's very uh, kind of realistic kind of person. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I like, said, okay, so at the end we should have a tip for Todd. And then I said, okay, how's this, Richard? I know we have to have four more faith, and maybe God's already healed Walter. So if God's already healed Walter, have the God tell the doctors that he doesn't need to go to Rasha, then I'll be cool with it. And then, Double down. <laughs> and, then, and then Richard says, well, surely, those doctors aren't Christian. They may not be able to hear God. They cannot hear God. They cannot. Say. And I said, no, Richard, if God is of the impossible and God can make a donkey speak, he can do anything he wants. <laughs> so, you know, God can tell the doctors that, you know, Walter's already healed and he doesn't need to go through radiation. So, and then we had tit for tat and argue, argue, argue. And then we had cold war. And then eventually Richard leaves, um, leaves the hospital. Angry. Angry. <laughs> he so, felt like you were brushing him off. And yet you had faith to say, okay, yeah. if God's going to do it, then... I'll have the faith that he'll do it through these doctors. So, so right? we're arguing back. So yeah, he was upset that I was arguing with him. And then that night, you know, I'm, I'm sleeping in a little cot while Walt, in the hospital room with Walter having chemo at the same time after he watches our ping pong fight. <laughs> and then that night, while I do my nightly prayer next to his cot, I said, God, I'm so sorry. I repent. I repent for my sin. Mm. I repent for argue, arguing with Richard. Richard has been my prayer warrior, my errand boy, my house, you know, help us with everything, you know, and, and, and been our companion, been such a good friend with us throughout this whole time. He's been with us for so many months. I, I really repent for arguing with him because at the, and I think it's ridiculous that I argued with him because at the end of the day, it is up to you whether Walter lives or dies. It's not up to whether... What, what Richard thinks or what I think. It's not what, we, what kind of treatment he thinks. It's up to you whether he, you know, lives or dies. So for me to argue with him is really not right. So I, I'm so sorry for doing that. And it's a big place to come to. <laughs> yes, it's knowing my personality, right? <laughs> and to stop and say, Lord, I've, this, isn't, this isn't what you want. Yes, because I'm a pretty pushy person. But anyways... Mm. Um, <laughs> The next very, so the very next day, this is the very next day, um, Walter and I... Yeah, we were, we were actually very bored in staying in that little room. How would you not be, of course? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so I said, Shirley, let's go and take a walk. So I had the nurse bring me that, uh, the chemo with the, you hang the IV bag oh, and yeah. you walk with, you know? So we, we walked down uh, to the Queen Mary Hospital and Queen Mary Hospital on the ground floor, it has a 7-Eleven. So we went in there with the chemo in hand, and we were there and buying some, you know, I, I looked at some ice cream. Looks pretty good. Pizza so. and ice cream, <laughs> that's a great diet. So it was very funny because every time we walked by a nurse or a doctor, they were like, they know that's chemotherapy. At which chemo patient is not in the room, right? <laughs> Suffering from the chemo sure. treatment. And then, and then walking around. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're, we're looking at even at the bulletin board at the hospital, looking at, how much they're offering the um, nurses. They were trying to recruit some nurses. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and, then, and then, you know, the doctor comes by and goes, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Wang, where have you been? You know, we, we couldn't find you in the room. I mean, as they said, which chemo patient is in their room? And then, and then we said, okay, well, why, why are you looking for us so urgently? 
He goes, this is the very next day. He goes, you know what? Your MRI results came back, and it's so well that we are going to change the course of your radiation. Yeah, actually, the course is just reducing three minutes. It was actually scheduled for 40 minutes, and it came down to 37 minutes. Because, because the, uh, thank God that, you know, the, they couldn't find any cancer uh, uh, cells, and mascopes, all, dis all dissipated, all gone. It's only here and here left. All the cancer cells just, it was treated by, it was somehow went away by with chemo. And when did you take the MRI? Was it the day before that moment you came at night to say, okay, God, I repent, I turn, or was it the next day, the ice cream day? Was that no, when no, you no, took no, the MRI? No, 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 it was MRI? before. It the was day was before. It was a couple of days before. Yeah. yeah before. So the MRI had already been taken, but you hadn't seen the results yet. Yeah, and no. the doctors hadn't seen doctors the results. haven't seen the results yet. And, and so it was, it was quite amazing in the sense that, you know, um, he... That was, I was like, oh, thank God. You know, I was like, I was joking with the doctor, actually. I said, doctor, thank God you don't have to shoot this radiation in my skull base. I said, doctor, you know, you know, I'm not a smart man already. And then if you shoot this, I could, more, my brain cells will die and I'll be even stupider. And he was just laughing. So the three minutes, uh, less radiation. Well, you're less the better. Right? Yes, you welcome that. Better. But it, but it was a significant three minutes because it didn't have to shoot to the roots of brains. Yes. But anyways, so so we we go through the um, radiation and it, and it's tough. Thirty seven minutes, you lie there, right? And and you can't see anything because you have a you, you have a mask and you're tied to the gurney. You're tied to the yeah. And, and you can't. You're not supposed to move. And you can't tell time. So I thought he had an ingenious way of doing this. He brought a Christian CD. Same Christian CD. Yeah into the room and they played it while he's doing his um, radiation. And then it was by the seventh... Seven or eight songs about that. So he would, you know, <laughs> know it by, by knowing the songs, listening to the Christian CD. So then. you're worshiping in the midst of suffering. You're connected yeah, to yeah, God's I truth was, in the midst I of I trained myself to be, really enjoy the praise, praising Lord, mm. you know. And also I, I can even sort of half fall asleep doing radiation. So I was dealing, I was dealing with it, <laughs> thank God. So anyways, he goes through radiation. And then by the second week, I have to say, he came up to me and said, you know, Shirley, I do feel some pain. No, actually, a lot of pain. <laughs> mm. So, and I said, okay, let's, let's, go, let's go to the doctor and see what they can do about it. That's, what's your pain? And so we go to the doctor. And he goes, yeah, so um, on the pain level of one, one, to, one, to, ten, one yeah. to ten, what is your pain level? And he said, Well, you know, I try to be a little bit macho. I say six, seven, you know. And he goes, After two weeks of radiation, usually patients' pain level is about six or seven. It's normal, but open your mouth, let me check it out. So that's how I looked. I opened my mouth. He was with the, you know, with the lights, he was checking it out. After about a few minutes looking at it pretty carefully, I remember, and he said, Mr. Wang, on our scale of pain level, right? You were one, right? Based on what he saw? You were, based on what he saw and what he examined. And he goes, Mr. Wayne, how is that possible? He goes, I've been treating this MPC for over 10 years, hundreds of patients. I've never seen anything like it. Then the next thing he said to me was, Mr. Wayne, tell me two things. Are you taking any Chinese herbal medicine? Mm. Because if you are, whatever you're taking really works. It helps. Two, if not, or you're doing 
I have any family secret recipe that you're eating or whatever, diet or anything, it's really working. Let me know, one or the other. Okay, at that time, actually, many good friends mail much Chinese medicine to us. Take this, eat this, the work, that's, this, that's a cancer, good for cancer, blah, 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 blah. But surely, you know, so much Chinese medicine, we don't know which one to eat. So she just put it in the closet, you know, and then just done with it. So I wasn't eating any Chinese medicine. Mm. I had no family recipe, secret recipe. He goes, Mr. Wang, you can't be selfish. Tell me, if it's a family secret recipe, you need to tell me because obviously I can t take this and introduce to other patients because it's going to help others. You cannot be selfish. You must tell me so I can tell others, other patients, that you're doing so well. I said, really, doctor, I'm not. I don't have any family secret recipe. And the doctor was getting a little bit agitated at that time. Okay, and then I looked at him. I said, do you really want to know one thing I'm doing that I think is very helpful and to have this kind of good results? He goes, tell me, tell me, what is it? I pray every day. I pray constantly, you know, every day, you know, and I pray to, to, to God every day. Then he looked at me. He became more angry. He goes, Mr. Wayne, if you don't want to tell me, don't make this thing up about praying, praying works, okay? Don't do that, okay? Okay, he just, I just went home. <laughs> he, he couldn't fathom that. He couldn't uh, fathom. He couldn't believe that would tell him his power of prayer. He couldn't believe it. <laughs> but you knew in that moment that that was the source of that was the, the healing of, that had already begun. Yeah, the healing. The healing was obviously not overnight. It was one step at a time. You know, it's that journey of life that God brings you one step at a time. It's like really like, I like to tell people, it's like walking left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, with your foot firmly planted, with God there to walk with you. I felt like that, yeah. And when the faith came and the prayers came and the repentance came, it wasn't an immediate overnight healing. No. There was still no. suffering, there was no. still heartache, there was still time that it took, and yet it sounds like you felt God's presence in the midst of the suffering, yes. God's presence in the midst of the questions, yeah. and a transformation that happened in your in your heart and mind too. Yeah, yes. because we have a lot of time in my hands in Hong Kong, so I I not only pray, I listen to uh, uh, gifted pastors like yourself sermons, and uh, pray tongue of course, and try to sing, you know, try to praise the Lord, and that all the combination, all the above, really brought me to a point where. I felt less fear. Mm. I felt the confidence and the courage to just really just go through with this, just go through with it. And, and I don't have much worries. So yeah. the months have yeah. gone by. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how, how did it play out? So then at the, so at the end when he finished his treatment, you know, what was so yeah, amazing. 34 sessions. It was actually from Monday to Saturday, I get a rest on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> Just like God said so brush on Sunday. Yeah, but, 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 but I have to say that even that pain level one, it was awful. It was awful. You know, you know, we all had cold sores before, right? Mm -hmm. I mean this cold sore was huge. It was all inside of your gums and throw it down to your throat. I mean, it took me, you know, like twenty minutes to drink like this much water. It was so painful. But what he saw in your throat was a level of 
cold sores yeah, that yeah, was much less, much less than, than what he normal. expected. I mean, and I even was, that was painful. That was so painful. I mean, that was at one, in his, in his professional opinion, but uh, I felt like a six or a seven. Imagine patients with that kind of pain level. Oh, I can't imagine. Can't I, mean, imagine. I mean, it was bad. I mean, it was he, bad. He had, bad. He had pus coming out of his neck. Mm. And my neck was black. Mm. It was literally black and with pus coming out of it. Mm. How can you call that a one? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think eventually he got to a one. Oh, yeah, I got it for you. But then I have to say, after um, he went through the whole session, and he still didn't have his tube feeding surgery, and he still went through the whole thing. But I lost a lot of weight. Mm. I lost a lot of weight. I lost like 50 pounds. Mm. But it was good. I was a little bit chubby at that time. <laughs> <laughs> but so at the end, I, when we finished all the treatment, I took the doctors out to, to dinner to thank them you know, for treating, treating Walter and things like that. And, they, and when I thanked them, you wouldn't believe what they said. I mean, this is a person who, who didn't believe. That's it, those three doctors, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, they said, oh, don't thank us. Thank your God. Wow. And, and not only did they say that, thank your God, but they invited Walter to come to a medical, you know, social worker um, a conference. Conference that this one of the doctor oncologist, the key, the head oncologist's wife is a social worker, a director of a social worker, and and she invited me to go give my testimony and, and in to, a conference mm. and to talk about praying in tongues. Mm. I mean, <laughs> this are, is the medical community asking yeah. you to yeah. speak yeah. on that topic. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like wow. But um, yeah, as I said, when something happens, it changes you, but changes the people around you as well. Mm. You know, God, you know, I thought I was in control, but I realized through Walter's experience that God is in control. I am so out of control. There's nothing that I can control. It's really all up to God. And so, I, so I'm much more at peace at that. But, Which is a big deal for a personality that wants to be in control. It's harder to say, yeah. okay, God, you be in control. Yeah, I imagine her before. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, anyways, I went to God and I said, hey, God, you know, we're going to go for a checkup. You tell me what's going to be. I mean, I love a cup overflows, but, you know, I can't tell Walter to drink enough carrot juice or exercise. go exercise and heal cancer. It's not humanly possible. So ultimately, God, it's whether you heal him and you let us know what we should be doing. And so we went to Hong Kong and he had a checkup and it was 100% better. They use that language, 100% better. Yes, you would, we couldn't detect any cancer cells anywhere. This is the same guy that the doctor people, said. You through got a MRI, year to live. Yeah. MRI through PET scan. They couldn't find any cancer, any trace of cancer. And anyway. So, well, praise that's, God. Praise the Lord. So that's 2005 till now. 2000, yeah, 2000, it's 2006. Yeah. But it sounds like there was many things that happened before that 100% cancer-free that God did in your life. Some people are always looking for things to happen in their life, and then they'll thank God, then they'll praise God, then they'll have peace. No. They wait for the 100% healing or to get the job or to have the yeah. outcome that they want. But it sounds like there was so much more that happened yeah. and the 100% was really just the cherry on top. That was the, you know, the, the end of yeah. some remarkable things that God had already done. Yeah, I think, I think it was thinking back, you know, I don't think many people at all would say, oh, thank God for giving me cancer. God didn't give me cancer. God allowed it. Mm. And God allowed it, I feel very strongly that He wants me to walk through this experience. And there's a Bible verse I love. If you walk closer to God, God will walk closer to you. Mm -hmm. 
And, and that's what's exactly what happened. During that almost five months, with, with the prayers, with the praying in tongue, with listening to sermon, uh, no, only pastor sermons, you know, I got so much closer to God. Before I was really a Sunday Christian. I go to church, my mother wants me to go to church. I go to Bible study, my mother wants me to go to Bible study. But that, that doing that four and a half months, almost five months, it's like a sabbatical. It's like a sabbatical with God. And I really grew a little bit as a Christian. And I know how to, I realized that Jesus has already paid all my debts. Why am I supposed to worry about? Well, God bless both Thank of you. you. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm so encouraged that what I heard from you is something that I need to hear and the people need to hear that regardless of our situations, regardless of what we're going through, that we have a God who wants to walk with us, that it's a choice that we have to make to be obedient, to step out in faith, to listen to the Lord's leading. And so again, thank you so much for your time. God bless both of you. Thank you.